you know, he's he's showing us a glimpse right now. And uh, how old is he? Twenty? I don't know. How old is he? Yeah. He's twenty three years old. So um, you hear that number and you you shake your head because he's been in the league for a while now and. Um, he's given us a glimpse of you know what the future is going to look like for him on a, a year in year out basis. So uh, what he's doing is is definitely special, and you know we're trying to to use it uh, right now to help us win games and, and hopefully more more so um, later on in the season. Yeah, he's uh, taken a, a big leap uh, in his development. Um, consistency is is one thing that can separate a lot of guys in this league. You'll see them go on, go on a stretch where you know they'll, they'll score ten goals in ten games, but to be able to do it all the way through the season uh, and continue his, his level of play, even um, you know when he has a bad stretch, he's still scoring or making plays, and they're just not um, necessarily going in for him. So uh, he's just he, he's really learning to to become a complete player all the way around, and to be able to do it every night, uh, especially when you're you're kind of being focused on by the teams. There's been games where a guy literally followed him around the ice the entire game and. Um, to have to deal with that uh, night in and night out and go perform the way he is, it's impressive. You just heard from Tory Krug and Bram Marchand about one P David Posternak, and now you're going to hear from us about David Posternak's season. Welcome to the third episode of the Bruins Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rosenthal, and joining me is a man who refuses to check his voicemails in Matt Castle. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? You didn't see that one coming, did you? I didn't. Hey, but I got a surprise for you. Look at what shirt I'm, I'm rocking right now. I saw now. that. I saw that. I mean, as soon as you came in the office, I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Matt's wearing a Pasta La Vista baby shirt. Shout out to Barstool Sports, I suppose. Yep. Shout out Marina. She gave me the shirt when we were uh, in New York for the Rangers game. So I thought it would be fitting to wear it on a podcast talking about the one and only David Pasternak and the season. He is absolutely ripping up this league right now. And we're going to talk a lot about David Posternak's season today. We're also going to take you through a journey on his early career and just how far he's come along since his early days, since the 2014 draft even, where some people didn't even have him until the late 20s, and that's where the Bruins selected him. So are you ready, man? Let's go. Here we go. Episode 3, David Posternak. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, we're on the heels of the NHL naming David Posternak the third star of the month for February, and that's just one of his most recent accolades on top of what, uh, on top of the other accolades he will be getting by year's end. But let's, let's take a trip to the beginning, to where it all began, the 2014 NHL draft. Matt and I were looking at these names just recently. There's a good who's who of this list, but I know hindsight being 2020, we're quite surprised that Pasternak fell down to number 25, but looking at the list, there's some pretty impressive names there, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just off the top, Leon Dreisaitl, William Nylander, Dylan Larkin, Aaron Ekblad, Nick Ritchie yes. of the Boston Bruins. Who ever thought that we would be mentioning Nick Ritchie's name right now, too? N Nick Ritchie went before David Poshinok might be the biggest sin of all time. Like, that's incredible to me. That's incredible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I just think if Brett Ritchie were in the same draft, the I believe the Ducks would have drafted him as well. Probably would have been a Sedin twin situation, if you ask me. I don't know. I mean... The Bruins really struck gold with Pasternak. I mean, we saw him in the, the World Juniors, and he was lighting it up. 
And then he came over to the Bruins his first couple, like, two seasons. He was, like, this little scrawny guy, but he had a ton of skill. And now he's blossomed into one of the best players in the NHL. He's going to be in the Hart Trophy consideration. He's second in points with 91 and first in goals with 47. He's on an absolute tear, and it's beautiful to watch. He's only 23 years old. I know, that's quite amazing, and just to think about it, he's already well ahead of his draft class in terms of goals. He has 193, I think Drysaddle is second at 176, 177, which isn't bad, clearly not bad for this point of his career, but 193, and a lot of it has to do with the season he's having. Yeah, and... Bringing up Dreisaitl and a little bit McDavid, like McDavid's unreal, probably the best hockey player in the NHL. But those two combined, I kind of see them as like monopoly money. Like they just throw out points for free. They just tack on like six, seven points a game. So I kind of take them out of the race. Pasternak is unbelievable. What he's doing is incredible. It's incredible. Now, you take David Posternak off the top line, does he have the same results? I would say it would be pretty similar because you saw him early in his career when he was playing with David Krejci, he was producing. And you know what? If he were still with David Krejci today, he'd still be producing. And Krejci's point total those would definitely be higher as a result as well. I think he, he probably would have a little, little depletion. I don't know if he'd be at 91 points. But I still think he would produce at a high level because, A, the skill is there, and a lot of the goals he scores come off the power play. And that's not really, like, dependent on if you're on the first or second line. Um that's just, hey, line me up on the left circle and let me tee off a bomb back net, OV style. The Ovechkin spot, I was just going to say that. Yeah, but I, I think this is one of the best seasons a Bruins had in my lifetime. I'm 24 years old, and I can't remember a Bruin having a better season than David Pasternak is having right now. You didn't remember the Bruins of yesteryear, did you? I mean, Sergei Samsonov was my guy, don't get me wrong, in Jumbo Joe back in the day. But what Pasternak's doing, he's, he's a superstar. It's him and Jason Tatum. They're taking over not only Boston, but their respective sports. And we're seeing Pasternak just blossom into this unreal talent. And a multi-talented person in more ways than one, too. I remember just at the intro, throwing you off guard a little bit. I think he did the impression a little bit better. I think he deserved that cold brew after that. I don't know about you. I don't think I need a cold brew. What do you think? <laughs> well, he definitely, I mean, his <laughs> commercials are second to none for sure. But if you look at Pasternak, last season, he said at the start that he wanted to reach that 50-goal milestone. And he was on pace to do it last year until he had that phantom injury at the, the team party. Yeah, he would have been very close, I think, on an 82-game pace. I was looking at the stats. He would have had 47, 48 around those. So he would have been relatively close. And he still was one of the top 10 scorers in the league without that injury. And now this year, he's not messing around whatsoever. He's at 47 no. goals with 16 games remaining. So I'm going I'm to phrase this to you. It's not if he's going to hit it, it's when he is he going to hit it. You could hit it during this Florida trip, I think. In Tampa? That'd be a, a heck of a, a way to do it. A hat-trick for his 50th goal? I mean, he scored two against Montreal to get 40, and then he ended one for good measure to get 41. And if this recording, whenever this podcast drops, he may very well have 50 goals. Okay, 16 games remaining. How many do you think he ends up with? 
He's at 47 now. I'm going to say 57. He gets 10 more. What about you? I would Are love him to. Hit, bold? No, I would love. I would love for him to hit 60, but <laughs> I might be getting greedy at that point. But that would be unreal because there's only one Bruin in the history of their franchise to ever score 60 goals. And he did it on four occasions. And in fact, he's uh, part of the Tampa Bay Lightning organization as we speak. He's one of the um, color commentator, radio color commentators there. And he goes by the name of Phil Esposito. I don't know if you heard of him. No, who is he? Well, he was a guy way back before my time too. I was just <laughs> that, but he scored it on four, scored sixty goals on four separate occasions, including seventy six in nineteen seventy nineteen seventy one, which was probably the best Bruins team ever in terms of regular season standings. It was quite a crime that they did not win the Stanley Cup that year. I don't think anyone forgives Ken Dryden to this day. Now, I'm going to throw a question at you. I know he's only 23, small sample size. But in terms of talent, where would you, like, is Pasternak one of the most talented Bruins, like, of all time? I wasn't around for all the guys that are retired up in the rafters now. So I wasn't there for uh, Rick Middleton, Johnny Busick, Cam Neely, Cam Neely even. That was before my time. Right. Um, Bobby Orr. And they're Ray all Bullock. different types of players, too. So it, it, it depends on how you evaluate this talent as well. Always tricky. Yeah, I mean, just because, like, from people from my generation mm -hmm. would say, I mean, I think he's the best player on the Bruins right now. Marshan and Bergeron very close. Mm -hmm. Bergeron probably could take it because he's a two-way guy and he has that leadership factor. It's that intangible you can't really teach. No. But in terms of just raw talent, Pound for pound, I think Pasta's got it. Absolutely. And he's still got a while to grow. We heard from Tori Krug about this um, at practice on Monday. I asked him just how astonished he is at this. And as much as he's already accomplished, that he still has even more. It's he, he hasn't even reached a ceiling yet, I don't think. No, not at all. I think he's still growing into his games. And one of the best things about Pasternak, he's a very easy person to root for. I mean, because you look at a guy like Brad Marchand, very polarizing. If you're yes. not a Bruins fan, you hate him. But I think people outside of New England or Massachusetts, wherever you are that you're a Bruins fan, I think people outside of that enjoy liking – like he's got a great nickname, Pasta. Yeah. You just toss very a couple of emojis on every goal he scores. Um, so I think this season he's gone from like regional – to national. I think the national spotlight on David Pasternak, like he's on like the NHL network, like NHL Twitter, like everything. Everything's pasta. Commercials as well. Well, because his like, commercial was Kendall Coyne. I know there were a few of them, but I'm sorry that pasta, I'm sorry that your feelings were hurt, but you know what? <laughs> I think we all had our feelings hurt at the, um, during our lives, you know? Yeah. I'm well, sorry, pasta, but it's true. <laughs> Here's the thing, like, it, last year, Pasternak, first-time All-Star, very talented player. I think everyone, like, recognized, wow, this guy, he's coming. Mm -hmm. But I still think the focus of the Atlantic Division outside, I mean, Tampa Bay, they were just on an incredible pace last year. They've, like, Nikita Kucherov, Stamkos, they were just scoring infinity goals. But I think the focus of what the NHL was trying to do was really ramp up Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Like, they were trying to make Austin Matthews the face 
of the Atlantic Division. Let me tell you something. Not today, Justin. No. David freaking Pasternak. He's the guy. He is so he's so talented. I love him. I love him. Do you and, love him? And this is coming on the heels of the Sid Obi era. And you know what? They're as impressive as they are, and they're still probably in their later primes of this career, of their careers. But Pasternak, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. No, not at all. That's and that's Don Sweeney, how he got him on that deal. Six years, six point six six million per year. How evil is that? Unbelievable. It's like I'm laughing thinking about it because you have him like just starting to like come into his prime years, and you have him for like a pennies on the dollar. It's yeah. incredible. And the amazing thing when he signed him to that six-year deal is we only saw a small sample size of uh, what was to come, you know. He, only, he had only scored 30 goals once, and that was a year where uh, they went from Claude Julien to Bruce Cassidy behind the bench. I'll tell you what, regardless of who was on the bench, and yes, he thrived even more under Cassidy's season. He learned from him in Providence, and I think he's done a great job mentoring him um, and guiding him along the way but I think he still would have been successful under Claude as much as we as Bruins fans gave him crap for what he did with younger players he saw something in Pasternak during his later years here in Boston and you know what he was right absolutely and I want to pose this question to you you're a GM you have the number one overall pick in the 2014 draft and you know what you know now yeah are you taking Dreisaitl or Pasternak first overall? I think you got to go with Pasternak now. You can make a case for either, obviously, but I'm making the case for David Pasternak. Yeah, I I mean, I'm slightly biased because we're in Boston right now, yeah. so I'm, I'm taking Pasternak. I'm not exposed to Dreisaitl as much, but, I mean, you're – you're not losing if you take either one of them. No, and you wouldn't lose taking Aaron Eckblad either. He's turned into a pretty good defenseman. He won the Calder Trophy his first year. He's still playing top minutes in Florida. I think he'd thrive in a better system, but I also think the talent has certainly been there as well. Let me throw this at you. Pasternak or Nick Ritchie, who are you taking first <laughs> overall? Does Brett Ritchie come in the draft package? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a two-for-one. Uh, he's still you get the Richie brothers Pops. or 50-plus goals for the next decade? I don't know. Combine those two can't hit 50, so I think <laughs> you have your answer right there. Oh, man. Hey, but now we have both of them. I know. We have Pasta and the Richie brothers. We're unstoppable. <laughs> How far – so going into the postseason, do you think Pasternak can sustain that level that he's shown? Um, well, if he's playing Toronto for seven games, I would say yes. And I know the stats would be like on steroids almost because he'd probably have seven or eight goals in that series alone. And the playoffs is all about matchups. I think you saw him have trouble against the physical Columbus side in round two. But uh, he eventually came through. He had that big game five performance. And without that, I don't think the Bruins move on to the second round. And I, everyone was great against Carolina, but you saw him wear down against St. Louis. So, like I said, it's not so much individual efforts in, and, and obviously hockey's not an individual sport, but more so in the playoffs. 
yet everyone has to carry their own weight. I think Pasternak has shown glimpses of that in the postseason, especially against Toronto. And it's all going to depend on matchups, who the Bruins will match up against in um, round one, round two, or as far as they can go. Because that's a huge topic of discussion is goal scoring for, for the Bruins, obviously. I mean, you know, last season they didn't win the Cup because – they didn't get enough secondary scoring, and the top line really faltered in that final. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get the the amount of production they were looking for, and I think that had to do with a Pasternak his injury, Marshand injury, and in you remember that scrimmage? Yes, and they didn't think anything of it at the time, but I think they were downplaying it. But I think this year, Pasternak he's leveled up. He's he's taken a step forward in his career. I think we're looking at potentially. Even if the Bruins aren't, they're able to sustain a decent amount of secondary scoring. I think you're looking at a situation where Pasternak can really take you. If you had this David Pasternak right now on last year's team, I think they win the cup. Yeah, I think you're right about that now. At the same time, like I said, how does he do against physical squads? I think this year you're seeing he's done very well against them, and he's no, he's not the most overly physical player. You don't need him to be, though. You can have Martian, you know, set the tone for that. Krejci. David Krejci dropping the gloves, yes. That was unbelievable. I'll never forget. Hey, the Islanders game Saturday, though. You saw David Pasternak uh, against Komarov. Oh, yeah. That, too. So, yeah, I mean, David, where, where do you think David Pasternak ranks for the Bruins? I would think if he's not number one, he's 1A, 1B, or 1C. I think that top line is definitely the most important thing for the Bruins and Tuka Rask right now. But um, like I said, in terms of where he ranks, if we were to do a power rankings, he'd probably be number one. But you can make a case for Bergeron. You can make a case for Marshan. You can even make a case for Tuka. Just to hop off Pasternak for one quick second, his line mate Brad Marchand posted a 100-point season last year. He's at 83 points with 16 games remaining. Do you think he does back-to-back hondos? That would be over a point per game for the rest of the season. So, You think they might rest them a little bit if they're, if they're really far ahead? Yeah, if they're really far ahead, if they have this pace, if they still have um, – about seven, eight-point lead with five, four games left in the season. He'll probably get some rust. Him, Bergeron, Chara right. will get some rust. Simple solution. Just score a Hattie the next couple of games. Yeah. <laughs> so David Pasternak can't have to wait to score his 50th goal on a hat trick for a couple games then. Okay. That works. <laughs> Deal. You got me. Well, there's a couple other names I want to go over on this list. Some notable butts. Michael Del Call was fifth overall. He uh, we saw him in uh, Saturday Islanders Bruins game. Anything stand out to you? Nope. <laughs> Brendan Perlini. <laughs> we saw. I think the last time I saw him was at the Winter Classic. Or I don't even know if he was playing in the Winter Classic. That might have been the trade with Arizona at the time. Mm-hmm. So there goes that. Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano, first off, he's got a great name. I love saying that, Sonny Milano. But we've seen him in Columbus. Nothing really stands out, does it? No, I, I mean, compares to some of the names on that list, um, not even close. Now, uh, he's 
teammates with Dan Heinen now in Anaheim. Now here's the where things could get tricky. If they have to move David Posternak to David Krejci's line, who skates with Marshan and Bergeron? At first, I thought you were going to say if they have to move David Posternak. <laughs> I almost fell out of my seat. Um, you probably, we probably would have ended the Bruins Daily podcast right there. Three episodes <laughs> in. Can we trade? All right. So you said before I answer your question, Sidney Crosby was going to get traded for 10 first round picks. How yeah. many does Pasta go for? Oh, probably the same amount, but it depends on the team. If it's to Calgary Flames, it's at least 10. <laughs> Maybe throw in a couple because he's younger. Um, and probably some Kraft macaroni and cheese just as an added staple. Why not? So you're talking about moving David Pasternak down to the second line yeah. and playing alongside Krejci. I think first off, the Bruins, what their second line right now of Richie, Krejci, Kasha is not what it's going to be in the playoffs. Absolutely. They're just seeing they're just seeing what they have. So I'm taking that out of the equation. Um, if you're dropping Pasternak down – would you bring DeBrusque, Krejci, uh, Pasta as your as your second line? Are you comfortable with DeBrusque? I know they brought him down to the third line. Um, yes, I think eventually you see him as a streaky yeah. scorer too. Once he gets on a roll, I think, and he's got that the speed to to play alongside yes. Pasternak, and he's a, he's like a, get some greasy goals in there that Pasternak will create attention. You get DeBrusque near the front of the net, bang bang. Um, and then I think that sets up – do you try Kasha on your first line? Right Here's wing? another guy I would try. I know uh, at the beginning of his career they tried him on the with Marshan and Bergeron. Anders Bjork. Let's go. I'm, hey, I'm full on the Bjork train. I know they're more comfortable playing him on the left side right now. I don't think it's going to happen. But if he were to fill that role, I think he would try it for a couple games. Maybe that's something – they yeah. do lean the regular season in case they run into that scenario so for then, whatever reason. All right, so this this is a hypothetical lineup. Marshan, Bergeron, Bjork, DeBrusque, Krejci, Pasta. Then you do Coyle, and then you can either do Coleman, Kasha, and Richie. What, what's your lineup for the third? I would say Coleman. And I don't Kasha. know, because Kasha, can he play the left wing? That's... My big question. If he's versatile like that, I would say yes, because I don't know if or do Coleman you, is that versatile at this point. Of his you can also put Coleman on the fourth line, and you can talk. You the could. fourth line is like, it's not what it has been in the past, so I think it's very fluid. That fourth line, mm -hmm. you have a lot of options there, so you could drop down. Are you? Do you like Richie with Kasha, like a coil? Richie Kasha line? Well, here's the thing. Richie and Kasha played well together when they were line mates in Anaheim. I know Connor Ryan tweeted the stats out, but their even strength goal differential was pretty good when they were together. So I'm thinking you have that chemistry, and then Coyle's just like an absolute beast. That's a yeah. great third line. Then your fourth line you're looking at, are you keeping Wagner, Nordstrom, Corrali? Or Lindholm. Or Kuhlman. I'd probably go with Lindholm or or Corrali at center, and then depending on what happens, because you can't break up Corrali and Wagner. If they put Corrali back at center, I think they could go with Coleman or even Nick Ritchie. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but 
it's <laughs> it's crazy how we just went through the whole lineup because of one guy, Pasternak. Yeah. But that's what that's kind of what the Bruins are they're testing out. They're seeing all these combinations because, let's face it, knock on wood here, and I did knock on wood for all the listeners at home, the Bruins are going to win the Atlantic Division. And so they're really, right now, they're focused on the playoffs, and they're seeing what they got. So I think you... That being said, I don't think Pasternak's going to be on the second line. I know no. we just went through all of that <laughs> for nothing, but this is more worst case scenario for Bruce Cassidy if he if he needs more secondary scoring. And I don't know if you break up. We've had this discussion how many years? I don't think it's necessary to break up the top line just to fill uh, an area. I agree, one hundred percent. Now, before we go on, we got to look at where he'll rank in Bruins history. So 47 goals with 16 games remaining. He's on pace for 57-58 right now. But we looked at Cam Neely. We talked about a couple of the names. We talked Phil Esposito. Cam Neely in 1993-94, he did it in 49 games with a bad back. If there's, I don't know where that ranks. That's got to be one of the most remarkable accomplishments, I think, of all time. Yeah, you'll hear no argument from me. Let me ask you this. Better player, David Pasternak or Cam Neely? I know they play in different areas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. You hear this phrase, there's a player for all eras, you know. Uh, I think Cam Neely would have done well in this era, but don't forget, he at the old Boston Garden, he played on a shorter ice sheet, and, those, and that benefited the bigger, stronger players at yeah. the time. They didn't need no cardio, kid. No. <laughs> um, I would have to go. Uh, talk to me in another 10 years, and I'll probably say Pasternak, but we know what Neely's track record is, was. And you know what? I won't say Neely right now, but another 10 years when we're doing this podcast again. Another 10 years, you're going to be seeing 88 being talked. He's going to be in the rafters if he keeps his pace up. Yeah, he'll still be playing. We'll yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know, yet. but like the it'll be like cemented. Like Bergeron, you already know Bergeron's gonna be in the rafters. Yep. And then you probably know Char is going to be in the rafters, obviously. So on this team, would you put Marshan up there too? Yes. So you got you potentially Milton's up there, Marshan has to be up there too. Tuka? Yes. So right now off the bat we have uh, five <laughs> five numbers in the Raptors yeah. already just from the squad. Yes. All right, let me go toss some more uh, good ones at you. Charlie Coyle. Got to see more <laughs> from him, but you know what? <laughs> oh, uh, my God. I Charlie just, McAvoy. Wait. Of course. Yep. Uh, Chris Wagner. <laughs> That's a given. Harpoon needs to have a banner for him, I think. Yep. Um, David Krejci. I got to think so. I mean, is it, it, it is it too early to talk about Anders Bjork being in the Raptors? Jake <laughs> DeBrusque. I mean, have we named the entire Bruins team yet? No, we have not. Jack Stunica, that guy's a stud. Uh, yes, definitely. He'll be up there. He'll be in Providence as Raptors yeah, for sure. Up in the dunk, kid. Yep. All right. So we're talking about greats. A couple other names. Actually, one other name we're going to mention, and that's Ken Hodge. He did that on one occasion. On them, actually, Busick did it on one occasion too. Busick did it in 1970-71. Again, how that team didn't win the Stanley Cup, I don't know. Ken Hodge did had scored 50 in 1973-74. Bobby Orr, a little surprising. 
that he didn't score 50 in his career. His career high was 46 in 1974-75. You know what this really tells me? All these stats. So the last 40 goal scorer for the Bruins was Glenn Murray in 2002-2003. That means we've gone the better part of two decades without having a true superstar. Like Bergeron, filthy, Selkie Award, but he's never been like the best player in the NHL. Like this is the first time where like the Bruins have like their hat in the ring for having the best player in the NHL. Yeah, and a couple of seasons you could have made the case for Bergeron being the MVP. I think 2013-2014 was a prime example of that. You only score, I think he uh, tied his career high that season in goals. So it was a lower goal total, but you know what? He was the best all-around player, period, in that time frame, easily. I and agree. how he's not, he wasn't, didn't get more hard trophy I, consideration, I don't know. I agree, but I don't think the national spotlight was as much on Bergeron because during that time you got Ovi, you got Malkin, mm-hmm. you got Crosby, like these big, big brand name guys. And I think that's what Pasternak's turning into. I think legitimately every season for like the next decade, you're going to see like Pasternak be like the face of one of the faces of the NHL. It's transitioning from Crosby and Ovechkin. And I think it's going to be like McDavid, Matthews, Pasternak, Eichel, Panarin. Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl. How many faces did I just name? Ten? Yeah. I can keep going. And just think, we're talking about the era after the 2003 draft, which is considered one of the greatest draft classes in history, and Bergeron was a part of that class, and he was drafted in the second round. This 2014 draft class, I don't know if it's going to match up to them, but it's pretty dang good. It's pretty good already with just the first rounders. I haven't even talked about some of the other names. Brayton Point. Yeah. Third round. What a Jen Day fan <laughs> in Tampa. <laughs> That's a steal. Victor Arvidsson, fourth round. That's a pretty good uh, steal as well from Nashville. Hey, can I say this? Don Sweeney. Can we get a Braden Point in the third yes. round one of these years, huh? <laughs> and another interesting thing about that draft class, this was Peter Shirelli's last draft class. And some, and you looked at some of the names that were on that list. Ryan Donato, he had some playing time here in Boston before they traded him to Minnesota. Denton Heinen became an NHL regular. And Andrew Spurek is growing. So that was a pretty good last draft class for a guy who struggled um, scouting. Easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, left it on a good note, and now, R.I.P. Dan Heinen. Yes. But yeah, no, that was a great, uh, great draft for the the Bruins. So, what can I say, David Pasternak? All right. So, how many more commercials is he going to be in? Is the next question. We know he's going to do so well over the next decade. The question is, well, how many endorsements, more endorsements will we have? I think a lot. Like like I said, uh, I think I cut myself short where I said he went from regional to yeah. national. He's international. Like, yeah. being from the Czech, I, like, he, you're going to, like, probably if you lived in Europe, you'd probably see him all over billboards and, like, commercials everywhere in, like, the Czech Republic. You know what I mean? I'm so looking forward to that trip to Prague next year. And I know David Posternak's really going to look forward to that. Him and David Krejci. Yes. They're going to be chilling. Well, uh, I, if you saw that press release, he said he went to that game 
in uh, 10 years ago when the Bruins were in Prague against the Arizona Coyotes. I actually think it was uh, two games at the time. I think that's why it's just one. But besides the point, you know, I think that's where his love for David Krejci, if it didn't begin there, he, he sure grew a greater appreciation for that. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, I don't know where you want to go from here, but I would like to are, – are we – if we're ending this soon, I would like to – Talk directly to David Pasternak. I just want to give a, a big thank you for all the enjoyment you've brought all of us this season. 47 lamplighters. We all can just put pasta emojis everywhere. It's a lot of, it's very exciting. Thank you. Yes, I think we need to save one tweet with 50 pasta emojis. <laughs> I, I did the 40 pasta emojis on the Bruins Daily Twitter account when he scored 40. It's, I it's, have to do it for 50. It's now, only if, fair. I'll, if only I could spell 50 with the pasta emojis on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know how. Connor Ryan, please help me. And if you're listening, Connor, you're more than welcome to come on this show. Absolutely. Friend of the pod for sure. Well, we just finished episode three, the David Posternock episode, and we're off and running here in Bruins Daily. Now, it's no coincidence, episode one, Charlie McAvoy, after we did that podcast, he's off to the, probably the best stretch of his career, if you ask me. I don't think it's a coincidence. What do you think? I don't think so at all. I think Charlie McAvoy would be the first one to credit us here at Bruins Daily for his success, so... Absolutely, and we know David Posternak will do the same once he reaches 50 goals. And by 50, you mean 100? Yes, as long as he can average more than a hat-trick a game for the next 16 games, but nothing's <laughs> impossible, right? Definitely not out of the question. Now, episode two, we were off on a few trades, but we weren't off on the Harpoon Brewery's latest project, were we? No, the beer is absolutely delicious. Um, if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend that you do. And big shout out to Harpoon for uh, supplying us. Yes, absolutely. I also want to give Harpoon a big shout out for sending me up for a personal, some personal interviews last week at the office, at their offices in the Seaport District. John London, their CMO, couldn't have been more gracious into explaining what this project was all about with Chris Ragnar. You could tell Chris Ragnar really enjoyed the brewing process. He, we, there's a few pics that they sent to us on our story at BruinsDaily.com. You could tell he's really really smiling. He's really enjoying the process. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're three episodes down, and we just talked about one of the mo most beloved figures in the game today, but now we're going to talk about one of the more polarizing Bruins in recent memory. And no, we're not talking about Bram Marchand, mind you. We're talking about a certain goalie who who's between the pipes. Tuca? Absolutely. Now, Matt, you're probably going to have to stock up on some milk crates, but even if you do, you might have to sit on one because if it really gets out of hand, I'm going to try to throw a milk crate into the Boston Harbor. <laughs> I think this episode might bring out some of the, uh, all of the Tuca haters. All of them, and you'll probably get your fair share of people who support Tuca as well. It's going to be quite polarizing. I don't know where it's going to take us, but I know it's going to be very interesting. So we're looking forward to recording that podcast in the coming weeks. Absolutely. All righty, that concludes Episode 3, the David Posternak episode. 
for Matt Castle and Tim Rosenthal. I download us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on social media as well, if you haven't. Twitter is at Bruins Daily, Facebook.com, Bruins Daily. On Instagram, we're at Bruins Daily Official. For Matt, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. When I said that I'd always be there for you.